Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Girls in Work podcast. On Saturday the 10th of October it is World Mental Health Day, a day to raise awareness and show your support for better mental health and to check in with your own well-being too. Mental health problems can affect any one of us at different points or stages of our lives and with everything that's happened in the last year mental health has never been more important as it is now. In this episode we talk to Jo who is head of well-being for a company that offers a specialist puppy therapy service and she's also a trained mental health first aider. We hear all about Joe's career journey, discuss the importance of recognising mental health and the support that is available. So to start with Joe, could you tell us a bit about what you do and your career so far? Yeah, so I, well I started off as a, an exec assistant uh, about 17 years ago and then I uh, did a bit of project management but I'd always been really really interested in people and mental health and psychology um, but it wasn't until I went on a mental health first aid course that I actually really kind of got the bug and realised that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, up until then I'd worked for, I worked for the BBC, I worked for, you're probably too young to remember, but there was a magazine called Fast Forward Magazine. Uh, it was like a music magazine. So I did an internship there uh, years ago. Um, and then, yeah, and then more recently, kind of over the last 15 years, I'd worked in pharmaceuticals. So I'd worked for three of the biggest pharmaceutical companies, um, which was brilliant. But um, but I was ready to kind of, you know, change career. And, and now, you know, it's like a dream job. It's, you know, doing mental health. It's looking after people's well-being and it's cuddling puppies. So dream job so far. So you mentioned the puppies there. Joe. do you want to just tell us a little bit about what Pausing Work does? Yes, I met Pausing Work through um, the company I worked for before. I organised for... My brother actually texted me one morning and said, I've read about this company in a magazine, you should get them into work. And I had a look and I all I literally saw was the top bit. It said, your best day at work ever. And it was a picture of a puppy. And I was like, yes, how do we get them in? So they, they basically come along and we had it for, I think it was for Mental Health Awareness Week. And we got them into our company and honestly, the feedback... So I work for a pharmaceutical company and I always say I probably could have found the cure for cancer, but I'd always have been remembered for bringing the puppies in. You know, it was phenomenal success and the power of kind of getting people away from their desks. You know, people that don't often have lunch breaks, have back-to-back meetings. And it, it's to kind of show the power of one the joy puppies bring anyway but you know the power of being away from your desk and being detached from what you're doing for a bit you know just being completely present in the minute in the moment so yeah so pausing work so I met pausing work through that and they are very like-minded group of brilliant people who you know want to make a difference in communities and in companies and our mission statement is actually to create a better life for people and pups so we've kind of almost got two departments we have the puppies and then we have mental health training uh, which is my baby although I do try and jump on the puppy events if we've not got training <laughs> so so yeah so the puppy therapy side like I say is they go into companies bring the puppies along for a day the puppies are litters um, often they've got their forever homes already uh, and they're kind of between I think eight weeks and 12 weeks of sometimes a little bit older and it's all about socializing the puppies as well you know so they are very well socialized then when they go back to their when they go to their forever homes and yeah just to really give people the the kind of 
break that they need from their from their day job and um it is incredible honestly the difference in people i've seen you know big moody corporate executive go gooey and you know not want to do anything other than try and steal the pups so so yeah so that that's the puppy side and then of course we have our mental health and well-being training side as well where we run our courses and we talk about talk to companies about their well-being strategies and how to kind of either change cultures or improve cultures in business at the end of the day we just want people to be happier you know whether that's at work or at home but yeah the puppies are amazing okay so my next question was meant to be is this something that you've always wanted to do? But listening to your career story there, you've taken quite the path to get here, actually. So I'm going to change the question. Um, And so I'm going to change it to, how did you end up in this role? I know, right? I know. It, um, yeah, I have, it has been quite diverse. It's everything from kind of working on like photo shoots with celebrities and the glamorous stuff to kind of, you know, you know, I'm sure you girls know, setting up events and being there at half past five in the morning and running around trying to set up tables and, you know, the much less glamorous side. So yeah, it's been, it's been, I've never been to university. So for me, it's kind of been a, you know, the university of life. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what happened, really, in all honesty. I fell into kind of doing what I've done for so long. And then then I realised, you know, if I don't do what I love now, I'm never going to do it. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going to retrain and do what I love or try and do what I love. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme. We talk about it a lot, how you tend to just fall into roles and then slowly figure out what it is you love doing and then eventually get there. Um, I feel like we're all just all just kind of winging it. Yeah, I always think it's like, it's like, it's a bit of a process of elimination, isn't it? And one thing I would say is I might not know what I want, but I know what I don't want. And you only figure that out by doing things. That's a much better eloquently way of putting it than winging it. No, I love winging it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I mean, amongst all of that, would you say that you have a career highlight or sort of the most kind of defining part of your career? Yeah, I think I've had a couple lately. I mean, it's hard when I was thinking about that question. When I've kind of looked back, there's been some amazing moments I've had, especially working in corporate. You know, there have been some really brilliant things. I did like a science symposium out in Sweden that we did. That was a huge event. That was for me at the time, that was a real career highlight. Um, But more recently, I guess kind of qualifying as a mental health first aid instructor that was a huge thing because that meant for me that I was finally able to kind of pursue my dream you know it was the first part of you know changing um you know sort of switching paths career paths um I retrained as a counsellor because actually originally I thought instead of being an instructor well I hadn't even thought of that at that point I was like you know I know I want to help people and I know I want to do something in that area so I thought counselling was what I wanted to do but I kind of did um sort of three years of it and maybe it's the going back to school thing (laughs) uh that just you know in the end I was like I don't think actually counselling is the way I want to go I'd learned so many great um new skills with it and it was really interesting but I was like it still didn't feel like that was enough that that was the right way still so yeah so learning training as a mental health first aid instructor and my suicide prevention was like that's it that's the bit that makes me feel like I want to go to work and I want to what I want to do so that was probably one of the highlights and then I was lucky enough to be on a panel 
fairly recently where we'd meet at the House of Lords and there was a moment where I was kind of sat in a meeting room in the House of Lords thinking, oh my God, how have I managed to get here? (laughs) And then of course, you know, puppies. (laughs) Always comes back to the puppies. Um, So what would you say on the other side of the scale, what would you say has been your most challenging moments? Yeah, there's probably been, it hasn't always been easy. And I think, especially when you're a PA or uh, an exec assistant, sometimes it can feel like you're almost not taken seriously enough. So for me, I loved do it. I had some great bosses, but I think sometimes it, it either depends who you're assisting or where you're working. And I used to find that quite challenging that I had all these ideas, all this stuff I wanted to do, but uh, not often, occasionally you weren't taken seriously. You know, you're a bit like, well, you know, you're there to assist. You're not really there to do anything else. And I used to find that quite hard especially when I wanted to start making a difference with mental health in the workplace it was almost like well there was two stigmas really and one because I hadn't been to university sometimes I found that challenging because people were almost like well you don't have a degree what do you have to offer well actually I had 15 years of working my way through you know things so I used to find that quite challenging but I think more, more recently it's been kind of learning how to detach myself from some of the things I now get involved in you know we we deal with a very serious topic you know we deal with things like suicide on a you know daily weekly basis that can be hard to detach myself to put those boundaries in place and kind of know that we're there as first responders we're not there you know to see someone on their full journey so sometimes things like that yeah I think going back to sort of what you were saying previously when you were kind of like just starting out you had you felt that there was a lot of stigma around not going to university and kind of almost sort of proving yourself very early on what was it that kind of kept you going through all of that like what helped you kind of get past those challenges I think probably um, sheer kind of determination. I don't like people that judge other people quickly, if you know what I mean. I, that kind of, well, I will prove you wrong. Um, there, I saw my best friend actually tag me in a thing on Instagram the other day of a T-shirt that said, go and underestimate me, that'll be fun. And I quite like that. There's nothing better in a way than kind of proving somebody that doubted you wrong. Um, I think as well, surrounding yourself by mainly by good people, you know. So for all those people that doubted you, there were, you know, for every one of them, there were 10 that were your, cheer, your cheerleaders. So to take in faith, with, you know, and believing in yourself with, those, you know, with that, that support around you, I think. I love both those points. The first one, like, I am particularly stubborn, so I'm exactly the same. If you tell me I can't do something, I will stop at nothing until I do it. Um, and and that's that second point as well, I completely agree. Like, I've, in years, in the past couple of years, like, I look back now and I can totally see that I had friends and relationships around me that were probably pretty toxic. And it's only now that I know that I have like literally the best friends and the best people around me. You notice such a difference like just in yourself and your mindset and like you say just having those people they know I know that you can do this really helps you believe that you can do it as well. Yeah 100% and I think it sometimes takes a while to get there you know when I look back now and some of the people that you know were perhaps toxic and I allowed that to happen you know now I know I wouldn't allow that to happen there's things I would do to ensure that that's as short-lived as it possibly can be not something that hangs around in your life for a long time but but it takes a while to get there I think yeah completely and it, it takes almost it's one of those things that takes going through it to learn about it and then to be able to spot it yeah yeah it's a hard lesson yeah it is a hard lesson okay so this this Saturday the 10th 
10th of October is World Mental Health Day. And I think with what's happened this year, especially prioritising our mental health has never been more important as it is now. Would you be able to talk to us a bit about mental health awareness in general and how important it is to, I guess, both recognise mental health and also kind of understand that it's something we may all experience at different points or stages of our lives? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, especially at the moment, you know, uh, recognising mental health is more important than ever. You know, our mental health, other people's mental health. You know, the truth is we all have mental health, like we have physical health. And I hope there'll come a day where actually it's just called health. You know, we run courses that are physical first aid and mental health first aid, and neither two are are, are kind of recognised in different ways. But at the moment, we're very much kind of, you know, they are seen as two separate things. But we, you know, we're living in a kind of constantly changing environment at the minute. This, this 2020 is not great for anybody. And I think we have to learn how to adapt very quickly um, we've often not very much noticed so which can be very hard to do mentally um, you know we don't have any time to prepare you know for instance Boris's you know change last week or the week before I think has certainly people I've spoken to lately that really hit them because it felt like we'd done a marathon we thought we were near the end and then he's actually gone oh just kidding we've got another marathon ahead of us and I think we weren't prepared for that um, so that was very difficult and I think you know kind of looking at some of the things that preserve good mental health at the moment are kind of the foundation of that is being shaken so things like jobs you know financial circumstances home life you know the not being able to socialize like we are used to having that kind of we call it um, social scaffolding but that sort of environment around you that brings you joy you know things so certainly for me things like going to the theater you know we're not able to do that at the moment that brings me joy that helps preserve my mental health my good mental health so that being taken away at the moment is hard. Not being able to see friends and family quite, you know, in the in the groups that we'd like to maybe, especially if you've got a big family. And I, I think as much as everybody understands that these new rules are there for our own health and, you know, those around us, it doesn't make it any easier to kind of adapt to. So, yeah, it's very difficult at the moment. But I think... It's important as well to kind of understand how we all have mental health, you know, and that it can fluctuate um, for many different reasons, just as our physical health can. You know, we can break our leg quickly, um, you know, in a split second. And actually, it's the same with our mental health. If we have a life event that happens um, that we either weren't expecting or even that we were expecting, you know, it can have a detrimental effect on our mental health. And I think as well, it's understanding that, you know, mental health is a huge a huge array of things you know so actually somebody that you know has a diagnosed mental health illness may still may really be struggling but also may be living you know a fairly positive lifestyle because you know they're dealing with it but actually somebody who you know I don't know say you've gone say you've gone through a relationship breakup recently you've lost your job you know things like that have been happening it doesn't mean that you're you've necessarily got a diagnosis you know, you may be struggling, but not really realise. That's definitely what what happened to me. I probably about 10 years ago, you know, I started acting in a, a different way, my behaviour had changed. And I didn't know why I just thought I just, I just thought it was normal. I just thought that's now how it is. But actually, now I realise that I was really struggling with many things. And, you know, it, it's just that educational piece, I think, of kind of understanding that, you know, our mental health can be anything from, you know, having a bad day, 
you know, right up to suicidal feelings, you know. Yeah, and I think obviously there's a lot, (laughs) it's probably an statement of the year, there's a lot happened this year and there's so much uncertainty and we've already gone through so much change and there is a lot of uncertainty that there's, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot more change over the next few months. So do you have any advice um, or what advice would you give to people who might be struggling with their mental health or they're a bit unsure about what to do or where to go to just get a little bit of help? Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I would say the number one thing is, it sounds so obvious, but is to talk. And it's actually really easy to say, but quite hard to do sometimes. But talking really is like kind of halving the, the load. If you say something out loud, it almost takes the power of what it's of the impact it's having in your brain because you're if you talk to somebody and you find somebody that you trust or you know has been through the same thing it really does harve it I mean even this weekend everybody's been feeling it that I've spoken to but just talking to people everybody seemed to have felt that little bit better just by having a conversation and going oh yeah I felt like that too so I think definitely talking I bang on all the time about looking after your shed it's basically it stands for sleep hydrate exercise and diet and if you think of it as like four little test tubes um that if we keep them all you know most of them at most points kind of topped up you know not dipping below kind of halfway that that really does help with kind of self-care routines so you know making sure we're kind of trying to get seven or eight hours of sleep a night which you know is hard but that definitely helps keeping yourself hydrated I always have like a water bottle or you know squash nearby that you just drink you know because actually being you know not hydrated can really have an impact on how we think and stuff uh, exercise I think as well people think you have to kind of go and cane it at the gym or you know be doing yoga sessions every couple of hours you know actually just getting outside and having a walk you know breathing in fresh air things like that can help and diet as in you know nutritional things that are good for you not being on a diet um and also not kind of make, saying that you can't have things you know not denying yourself of things if you're having a bad day and you want to sit there and drink tea and eat chocolate all day for a day that's okay gotta be kind to yourself you'd say to your best friend you can have that chocolate bar or you can have that bit of cake you know so things like that so that's kind of self-care things and then I think as well I touched on earlier but being honest with yourself it can be easy to try and fix things with other things which isn't always great because you know I used to pile on drama after drama but actually that was really trying to get away from what I was not wanting to deal with because if I had another drama going on in my life I didn't have to think about some of the hurtful things that you know were actually taking up the space so being once I was honest with what I was trying to avoid you can then get the help for that as well so being honest with yourself and other people speaking to a mental health first aider whether it's at work whether it's online there's lots of us on LinkedIn um you know mental health first aiders are trained to you know professional support that's always a good idea Uh, and then other things I guess there's hub of hope which is well worth people kind of remembering. If you type in Hub of Hope, uh, it comes up and you just basically put your postcode in of where you live and it brings up a whole array of mental health supports around you. They can be professional ones, kind of more holistic ones, community ones. It's a really great little site. It's really good. And actually, sometimes it can be quite overwhelming if you're kind of struggling to know what to type in. There can be so much. So actually, if you go to Hub of Hope, it condenses it all down for you. The other ones that are brilliant is Shout. They're a text service. So often, some people don't always like to talk. 
So you can text, it's 85258. But if you text that, somebody will respond and you can text them or WhatsApp them and they'll talk to you that way. Yeah, sometimes it's a lot easier to write things down, isn't it, than to say them out loud. So as a first step. I think half the trouble is being brave enough to make that first step and sort of feeling comfortable to, to reach out to people. Yeah. And, and it's believing that there's people out there to help and there really are people out there that can help. And then the other good one is, it's always worth having in your phone, I keep it, is the Samaritans, um, which is 116123, just to keep in your phone because they're amazing. Um, you know, even if it's just somebody to talk to, there's a lot of loneliness out there at the moment as well. And then I guess if somebody is in crisis... Um, and I wouldn't ever recommend using it unless it was absolute crisis, but 999, you know, and people will help, you know. We'd rather people rang that than didn't ask for help, for sure. I was just about to say, I love the idea of that, just, sorry, going back a few points, mm. the idea of the shed. Like, I'd never heard of that, but I absolutely love that little thing. And actually, I think, particularly at the start of lockdown, like, everybody's routines change. So I know myself, I was going to bed so much later. Normally at work at the office, I do have a water bottle, but I wasn't at the office, so I didn't have the water bottle like, on my desk. So I wasn't drinking enough water. I wasn't, I was working from my bed, so I wasn't really moving as much. So I love the idea of just keeping those little those little test tubes topped up yeah it's quite a nice simple thing to kind of remember as well and refer back to if you're having you know if you're struggling one day and you're not quite sure what to do you can just be like oh the shed and then you've just got those four things it's a nice kind of starting point have I have I had my eight hours sleep have I drank my water and it's yeah just quite a nice thing to focus on I think um yeah I really like that okay so how can we better support others who are experiencing mental health issues to be honest, I know I'm probably biased, but I actually think mental health first aid should actually be like a mandatory life skill. You know, we talk about it in the workplace and how important it is there. But, you know, I've used it in all honesty, probably more times out of work than I've used in work. So those kind of courses are amazing. But I think, you know, courses aside, I think listening is a really kind of underestimated power. You know, just listening and being present with someone if they're talking to you. We kind of, we're taught how to read and write at school, but we're never taught how to listen. And uh, although some people are just natural great listeners, often what we're kind of doing as human beings is we're naturally thinking of what we're going to answer with next rather than actually properly listening to what somebody else is saying. So kind of to practice that listening skill and actually not being afraid of silence. And I think that's often why we talk quickly or, you know, over people or whatever, because we feel that, that there might be an awkward silence. But actually silence, you know, for a couple of seconds or a minute or so is fine because it shows, you know, you really are giving someone that opportunity to talk. And if somebody goes quiet for a minute, it's often because they're trying to think of how to verbalise what they're saying. So I guess, yeah, so listen, I think, give someone hope of support, hope of recovery. You can recover from mental health challenges, you know, and just for somebody to know that they'll get better, that there's brighter days ahead, I think, you know, is an easy one. Being kind. I bang on about being kind all the time because it costs nothing and you don't have to have any training. So for me, kindness is a huge thing, being kind to somebody, offering kind of emotional and practical support. So, you know, things like if you know your neighbour is having a tough time at the moment, you know, making them a lasagna or popping them round, you know, a little care basket or um, my next door neighbour, bless her, she makes banana bread and pops it round, you know, things like that, little gestures. And also another big one is asking someone twice if they're okay. We often go, oh, hi, how are you? 
and they're like, yeah, okay. And you're like, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. And that's it. That's the extent of the conversation. You've not really given anybody an opportunity to actually say if they are okay, because it, it doesn't feel natural in that busy, rushed you know, conversation to go, actually, I'm not all right. This happened to me yesterday. And how are you feeling is always a good one as well, because you're actually asking someone to verbalise that they're feeling how they're feeling, you know. Like the way we say, hi, you're okay. The way we say it is literally, it's a way of saying hello. We say, you're right, as a way of saying hello. And like you said, Joe, we don't often take that time to say, no, actually, how are you? Like, as not just a greeting. And yeah, it was only when my friend who, like I say, isn't originally from the UK, she was like, why do you always ask me if I'm okay? (laughs) It's just a way of me saying hello. And it actually made me think, I was like, oh, actually, how many times do I actually ask somebody, are you okay, without it being part of just a greeting? Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say that I, com- I completely agree with that. And I think that's a really important one, because especially because we're, we're so busy and, you know, you don't really you, you're just talking quite quickly and you don't really ask someone, well, have time to sit down and just ask them if they're all right. So I think, yeah, that's that's one for for all of us to remember, really, um, to kind of just take take that time and, and give someone more time to kind of be open with you and, and be honest and, and share with you how they're actually feeling. And I think sometimes the worry is if you ask somebody, we get it a lot on our first aid courses, well, what if I ask them if they're okay and they start to tell me they're not, what do I do then? You know, so there's sometimes a fear that comes with what if somebody does suddenly tell me they've got the this happening and that happening and, you know, that well, that's the power of kindness and the power of community and, you know, that's we've got to help each other at the moment. So being able to really listen to somebody and take on board what they're saying, I think goes a long way. And loneliness at the moment, you know, it's not just if they're going to open up and start telling you about all these mental health challenges they have, but it might just be that they want 10 minutes to talk about how their day's been because they haven't seen anyone else all day or for a couple of days so yeah I think particularly obviously at the minute a lot of people are still working from home and if you live on your own and if you don't have any like meetings that day you literally could go days without actually talking to anybody so if there was somebody who wanted to get into this line of work and do something similar to what you're doing now Joe, do you have any advice for them yeah I think to be honest follow your heart I mean people used to say that to me all the time and I'll be like yeah but how can I because how do I make that jump from you know a steady secure job that I know you know I've spent years working in I know like the back of my hand it's like a comfy pair of slippers taking that leap of faith it does take guts to be honest and a risk you know there's things that you are kind of to change careers or to follow your your dreams is a risk but it's worth the payoff it really is you know it's hard work but in a way that almost doesn't feel like work so I would say you know take that leap of faith and believe that you can do it because if you if you do want to you will you know you you really will and I think as well things for me I realized that kind of asking for help and advice and guidance from people that have done it, you know, or, or do it is actually a really good thing to do as well. Because generally people want to help each other uh, and want to see other people successful. You know, the, the world is big enough for all of us. And, you know, to kind of find a mentor or somebody that is going to inspire you or, you know, support you, I think uh, really does help. That definitely helped me networking and becoming closer to people in the field that I wanted to be in and, and look at how they're working and what they've done to kind of get there. And yeah, I think as well, preparing for it to be a bit of hard work, you know, it, it's taken me four years to retrain and get to where I've got to now. And at the beginning, when I first sort of started thinking about changing careers it felt like a huge mountain to climb I was like yeah but I've got to do four years of that I've 
got to go on all these courses, I've got to invest this money. But now I'm here, it doesn't feel like that was four years ago. I've enjoyed it mainly. So kind of taking things bit by bit instead of just looking ahead and thinking that's that's a massive investment or that's just impossible, I'll be this old when I finally qualified and that. But actually, you get to that point where you are then qualified and that old. So go for it, definitely. I think, you know, the more people that want to support people in mental health and well-being and you know to make them happier people help support them you know the more people that want to do that the better in my opinion gosh there were some really lovely things you said there joe <laughs> i'm feeling so inspired but i think you know it's it's really important that you, you only have in your life you deserve to be happy and you know you should be happy in what you do every day so do follow your heart like you said and do the things that you love and be brave and take that leap of faith and I really like how you said you know the world is big and big enough for all of us so sort of don't be afraid to to reach out to people who have done a similar thing to you and you know we'll all kind of hopefully support each other so we can do the things that we love anyway I think yeah all of that was was really nice yes some of my biggest you know not colleagues not the ones I work with but you know network of people do very similar job you know they're mental health first aid instructors you know so you could look at it and think oh well they're all competition but they're all so lovely and that you know we're dotted all across the country it's and actually it works as a great network you know to um work together or pass people on it it doesn't have to be dog eat dog that's a bad analogy working with puppies (laughs) isn't it can we cut that Thank you for joining us for this very special episode of the Girls in Work podcast in aid of World Mental Health Day. We just want to take a minute to say, don't be afraid to reach out. If you or someone around you is struggling with mental health, you can call the Samaritans for free on 116-123. You can also text SHOUT, which is a free text message support service. Just text the word SHOUT to 85258. We will be back next week with more interviews and career conversations. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also check us out online. We are www.girlsinwork.com. And we have a whole range of other wellbeing articles for you to have a read through if you fancy. Thank you again. And we will see you next time.